Well, good morning. You know, with weather like this, isn't it great being a missionary here in, in South Florida? You know, I mean, you know, someone's got to suffer for Jesus. Might as well be us, you know, and be missionaries here. Now, speaking of being a missionary, last week as we saw that clip, I, I asked, we began the service by asking you, how did that clip make you feel? And I had several of you come up to me and said, you know what, I've never seen myself before as a, as a missionary. And now I'm beginning to see myself that way. And so as you see that clip, how did it make you feel? I mean, do you feel you're at the place where you can join with your church family this year and say, I'm a missionary. You know, I might be a, a school teacher, but, but I'm a missionary, and I want to get on mission, and I want to be on mission in 2015. I mean, if your heart kind of resonates with that, as you leave this morning, our, our ushers have these wristbands that says, uh, Living on Mission. And we'd like you to grab one and kind of wear it this year or wear it for part of this year to kind of remind yourself every day of our lives that we need to live on mission, that we need to be missionaries, that we need to fulfill and live out the mission of Jesus Christ. And for the last several weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus came with a purpose. He came with a mission. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Luke chapter 19, right? You with me? Verse 10, uh, read it with me. Jesus said what? He came to... Seek the lost. Jesus came. God sent him. He came for the purpose to seek and to save the lost. You see, God is a missional God. He is a sender by his very nature. God designed the world and everything in it, including man. I encourage you to write that, these circles down if you could on the back of your notes there. And everything in it. God designed it all to be perfect and good, but something went very wrong. Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God and to depart from God's original design. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is departuring, departing from God's design. And when we sin, it leads to brokenness. And brokenness leads to more brokenness. So what did God do? He sent his very own son to die for our sins. That's what we call the what? We call that the gospel, the good news. For God so loved the world that he sent, he gave his son, that if we repent, we turn from our sins and believe in him, accept him to be who he is, we will have eternal life. We'll be able to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. We can be on mission and live on mission. We can experience God's forgiveness. But the brokenness of the world still remains. The world is not as it should be, is it? So now, Jesus sends us out into our broken world with the hope and the truth and the love of the gospel. In John 17, it's called Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying to his Father, and Jesus said this. As you send me, as the Father, as you're sending me into the world, into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This was Jesus' prayer for his disciples. This is Jesus' prayer for us, to send us into the world. And then in John chapter 20, Jesus told his followers, let's read it together, can we? 
as the Father, that means out loud, as the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. You see, Jesus is a missional Savior. He is a sender by His very nature. And after His death and His burial and His resurrection, He gathered with His disciples and His followers and He told them this in Mark chapter 16. Look at this verse. Go into all the world and do what? Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to everybody. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. You see, baptism is kind of like a a birthmark of a believer. And every example of someone being baptized in the Bible, it always came after they turned from their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And they would give evidence of that change by aligning themselves with the church and with Christ by being baptized. Every example in Scripture, it always followed after a person believed and then they were baptized. See, your, your parents can't believe for you. And maybe like many of you, my wife's the same way, grew up Catholic and, and she was baptized as a child. But there has to come a place in your life where you believe. You believe. And once you believe, then you need to publicly align yourself with Jesus Christ and his church. And the way you do that is by being baptized. Now, because of our current reality, we're going to dive into this subject a whole lot more in three weeks. I think it's three weeks, two weeks. We're getting ready next week to start a new series called The Storytellers, and we'll talk more about that tonight at the rally. I want to encourage you to be there for that. And one of the stories we're going to be looking at is Philip and the Ethiopian official in Acts chapter 8. And we're going to talk about the subject because it's creating a lot of questions uh, within our church, and we're going to discuss it more then. Now, back to our passage. Back to uh, Mark chapter Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus is speaking here, and he's telling his disciples, he's telling us, he says, go. Now, when you see the word go into all the world, it doesn't go. When we see go in English, we think it's a verb. In the Greek here, it's a participle, which really means as you go, as you live your life, as you live your life on mission, I want you to go. I want you to stay on mission. And as you go, you need to do what to say? As you go into all the world, you need to do what? Proclaim. You need to proclaim the gospel to to the whole creation. And the word proclaim means to announce, to declare, to share. As you're going, you need to stay on mission. You need to keep your life on mission. And you, each and every one of us, we need to share the gospel. Now, what's the gospel? We talked about this last week, and I think we learned last week, some of us did, that Jesus preached the gospel. I think we knew that. And Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. The word gospel means good news. That through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins, our brokenness can be forgiven. Our relationship with God can be healed. But the lostness of man has has been uh, remedied, but the consequences of our sin we still live with. And we live in a broken world. So, Jesus realizes that. God realizes that. God's ascending God by his very nature. Jesus is ascending Savior by his very nature. And so he's sending us out into our broken world. He's saying, go as you go. As you go, stay on mission. As you go, stay on mission and proclaim the gospel. That's your mission. It's to share the good news about Jesus Christ. And as you do that, what will happen? What's it say at the last part of verse 16? As we share the gospel, people believe and baptize, and they'll be what? They'll be saved. 
people will be saved. Now, do you save people? No. Are you the one doing the saving? No. You know, when we talk about subjects like this, man, some of us get really nervous. Like, this is like, this is worse than talking about money, you know? It's like, you want me to go? You want me to share? You want me to talk and tell others about the gospel, you know? I mean, like, really? I mean, you know, and if I do that, you know what? They could really go to hell, right? After you take a whack at it, I mean, you could scare them to death. And so we think the power to save people is in us. We think the power to save people is in our words. It's in our presentation. No, the power is found in the gospel. God does the saving, and God does the the saving through the sharing of the gospel. It's the gospel that saves people. It's not us. And the Apostle Paul, he makes this real clear in Romans 1.16. Paul says, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not embarrassed by the gospel. Neither should we be ashamed and embarrassed if we're truly a follower of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the, what's the word? It's the power of God to salvation. The power is in the gospel to everyone who believes. The power is in the gospel. It's not in you. It's not in me. It's not in our fancy words. The power is in the gospel. We just need to share it. We just need to tell it. The power's not in us. It's in it. So let me share with you this morning five W's of sharing our faith. Sharing my faith. Five W's of, of uh, sharing the gospel. The who, what, when, where, why. Of living on mission. Number one, who? Who do I need to share the gospel with? Well, we need to share the gospel with everyone. I mean, the gospel, it's, it, God is a universal God. He loves all people. He loves everyone, and we need to share it with everyone, but we need to focus on those that are in our circle of influence, in our sphere of influence. I think this is real interesting. In in Luke chapter 8, Jesus heals a man. This man is just like, he's just like on fire, and he's so excited. His life has been transformed. He turns from his sin. He puts his faith in Jesus Christ, and now he wants to travel with Jesus to tell the whole world about his faith. Look at Jesus' response in Luke chapter 8. Jesus said, no, go back to your family. Tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So he went all through the city telling about the great things Jesus had done for him. Now underline that phrase, go back to your family. I think Jesus probably would say the same thing to most of us. Say, listen, start with your family. And then move on to your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors. And by the way, just tell people about the wonderful things God has done for you. It's really not that hard. You don't need to preach at people. You don't need to judge people or shame people. Just share your experience. Just share how Jesus has changed you, what God has done for you. That's the who. What? What do I share? What what do you share? Tell me. It's the what? The gospel. It's the good news. 
That God loves you, that God loves this world, that God loves people. And he loves people so much. God just doesn't talk about love. He demonstrated how much he loves us. He gave the greatest gift. His son. You know, my grandson is three weeks old, two weeks old. What is it, Jan? His birthday was yesterday. Two weeks old. He's already nine and almost ten pounds. I mean, he is just packing it on. He's a big little guy, you know. And, and man, I love that little guy. I, I was with him. I go by and see him. I'm driving them crazy, you know. I mean, you just love that guy so much. And God loved his son, but yet he sent his son to die, to live a sinless life, a perfect life, and then to die on our behalf for our sin so that we can recover and pursue God's design. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I love this verse in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul says, but my life is worth, what's the word? Nothing. Paul said, man, my life is, is empty. It's nothing. It's of no value. It's of no worth to me unless I use it to finish the work, unless I use my life to finish the mission, the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work, the mission of telling others the gospel, the good news about the wonderful grace of God. God is such an incredible, gracious, forgiving God. He loved us so much that he gave his own son. That's what we tell people. We tell people about God, his grace, the gospel. You're just really just kind of sharing your story. You don't have to be a defense attorney. We don't have to defend God. You don't have to be some kind of slick salesman. God doesn't need a sales job. All God wants us to do is, is to be a witness. Just to share with those around us what we've experienced. See, the truth is, you are the number one expert on your life. No one can be a better witness of your life and what God has done in your life than you. Not your pastor, not a priest, you. And God simply says, once you've experienced my grace, once you've experienced my love, man, I want you to share that experience with others. The third W, where? Where do I share my faith? Well, Jesus made this, I think, really clear. Remember, Jesus was on this earth for how many years? 30... Three and a half about, okay, that's right. He started his ministry at the age of 30, and it was for about three and a half years. So that would make him how old then? 33 and a half, okay, all right. And he was on, and then on Friday he was crucified, and then three days later, which would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he rose from the grave. And then he was on the earth for how long after that? About 40 years, gave evidence of God's power that he rose over the grave over death, walked around, gave clear proof, evidence. And then at the very end of his life, now last words usually are very important, right? I mean, in Hollywood, TV, movies all the time, you know, we always want to hear the, the guy just got shot, you know, and you're going to tell us who shot him, you know. You'll, and you always want to know the last words. When Acts chapter 1, we've got the last words of Jesus. He's getting ready to ascend. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, to his followers. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he's already talked about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit's another the same kind. He is God. He's God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you the power 
and you will be my, what's the word? Witnesses. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power. And he's going to give you power to be my witnesses. And I want you to be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when Jesus told this to his followers, where were they? They were where? They were in Jerusalem. He's saying, hey, I want you first to start at home. Start with the people closest to you. And then I want you to go to Judea. I want you to go to Stuart and Dade and Broward and Samaria. That's, that's, my, that's Dade, Samaria. Because it's quite different than the rest of us. That's Samaria. And I want you to dare to reach beyond that and to go to the end of the world. I want you to care and have a heart of compassion because I'm ascending God and, and Jesus is ascending Savior and the church is ascending institution and I want you to go to the entire world. Everywhere you go, I want you to get on mission and share the gospel, your faith in me. Now my wife sometimes kind of makes fun of me. She, she calls me uh, Mr. Rogers and it's and it's not because I like sweaters. Um, it's because I'm always trying to be like nice to people, you know, and friendly to people. And I talk with strangers. And, um, and, and I kind of really believe taking time just to greet people and meet people in my neighborhood can make an eternal difference in someone's life. And Jesus, was, he was constantly meeting people and greeting people. And even more than that, you know what Jesus was constantly doing? He was eating with people. The religious people of, of his day, they thought he was a drunk and a glutton because he was eating with the wrong kind of people. He was eating all the time. He was hanging out all the time. So they called him a drunk. They called him a glutton. Luke kind of describes it for us this way. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners, and the, and the word here is, is really more the word for notorious sinners. I mean, these are like gangbangers, all right? These were, these, these were notorious sinners. Yet they were all, what's, what's the word there say? They were what? Drawing near. Isn't that amazing? To hear him. And the Pharisees, you know, the religious leaders, the scribes, the teachers of religious law, they were grumbling. This man receives sinners. And not only does he nice to them and talks with them, he even eats with them. He associates with them. He hangs out with them. Now what's so amazing in this verse to me in these verses isn't the Pharisees and the scribes. What's so amazing to me is that these people who were so far from God, they were drawn to him. They just kind of loved to be with Jesus. Even as holy and righteous and sinless as Jesus was, they were comfortable being around him. They enjoyed being in his presence. Do irreligious people enjoy being around you? Or are you too religious for them? You know, they start smoking their cigarette, you know. Do irreligious people enjoy being around you? Or, or are you or am I 
too religious for them. I mean, when was the last time you had a meal with a notorious sinner? A non-religious or an irreligious person. When was the last time you had your neighbors over to eat? We need to start sharing the gospel right in our backyard, around the dining room table, right in our Jerusalem, right with our neighbors, right with our coworkers, right with our family and our friends. And when do I share the gospel? When do I share my, my faith? Well, whenever God gives you an opportunity. Whenever the Holy Spirit prompts you and encourages you to walk across the room. Whenever you feel prompted in your heart to speak up for Him. To share your experience. To share your story. To share God's story of the gospel. John 3.16 Now I believe we need to really work hard at earning the right to share our faith. You know, I think we need to earn the right to speak truth into people's lives. We need to earn that right. We just don't have that right. We need to earn that right. I need to invest my life. I need to invest my time. I need to invest my, my resources in people. Because people truly is God's greatest what? God's greatest commodity. What God loves the most, all that really matters on this earth, it's, it's people. And Jesus was always loving people. He was always reaching people. He was always helping people and serving people and saving people. He gave his life for people. Young people, old people, rich people, poor people, sought after people, despised people. Never has anyone in the history of the world displayed more love and compassion for people than Jesus Christ. Because he was God. And he showed us the heart of God. And he made it very clear that we need to do the same. We need to live our lives on mission, the mission of seeking and saving the lost. Galatians 6.2 says, Stoop down, reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law, the law of Christ. Now, what's the law of Christ? Christ gave two laws, right? He said to love God and to love who? It's the summation of the law. Love your what? Your neighbor. Fulfill the law of Christ, which means to love your neighbors. To really love your neighbor. So I need to invest in the lives of the people around me. And then I need to invite them to faith in Christ. And as a church, you know, we want to partner with you in sharing your faith. Every Sunday we want to try to create a, a safe place where, where people can investigate the claims of Christ at their own pace. We want to create an environment where unchurched, irreligious people love to attend George Gallup, he did one of his little surveys, you know, and he discovered that 65 million Americans don't have a church home. Now, he's not referring to the CEO crowd. You know who the CEOs are, right? CEO or the Christmas and Easter only crowd. Because if you, if you talk to a CEO, they'll say, oh, yeah, I go to church. I attend Palm Beach Community Church. They come Christmas and Easter, you know. Now, he's not even talking about those. He says, in America, <coughs> 65 million not including the CEOs, don't even have a church home. He went on in their survey, and they said 34, over 50% of them, 34 million, said they would attend if somebody would just invite them. 34 million Americans are just waiting for an invitation. I love reading Gallup stuff. He did another poll, and he said teens today, they have found that teenagers today would rather talk about God 
than about sex. I had a hard time believing this. They would rather talk about God than they would about drugs or even music. People feel their brokenness like never before, and they are hungry for the gospel. The last why is this, why. The last W is why. Why? Why should I share my faith? Why should you live on mission? Because God is building a family, a spiritual family that's going to last forever. That's the point of, of why we're here. The whole point of history is that God is building a family and he wants us to be part of it. And he wants us to be busy, living on mission, inviting others, sharing the gospel so others will be a part of his family. You know, that's just one of the many reasons why I'm so excited about next Sunday we're going to stand up and say, you know, welcome to Family Church. Because we're joining with Family Church as a church, you know, that's building families by helping them to discover and pursue God's design. God is building a family. God's building a family. And people all across the world are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in record numbers. God is at work in South Florida and God is at work in the world. And we are on a mission from God. It's called the Great Commission. It's being commissioned by God to love people and serve people and share the gospel and restore broken people and redirect wayward people. It's the mission and the commission to seek and to save the lost. We need to get on mission. You know, this week I had um, two separate events and talking with some people. They basically asked the same question. They asked me this. They said, Dr. Ray, why doesn't God just take me home? Two different people, depressed with their life, and they ask, why doesn't God just take me home? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I'm a Christian. You know, I'm going to heaven. Why doesn't God just take me home? And I said to both of these people, God has a job for you. God has a purpose for your life. He has a reason for you to be here. He's building a family, a spiritual family, and he wants to use every single one of us and getting as many people to be a part of his family. Now, the Apostle Peter, he wrote a letter. He wrote two letters. And in one of his letters, he, he wrote to fellow Christians who were suffering and having a hard time. Some of them were being persecuted for their, their faith. And they were longing. They were waiting for the return of Christ. I mean, Jesus promised that he was coming back. And they were longing for him to come and take them back. Kind of like the question I was asked. Why doesn't God just take me home? And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, I love the way Peterson translates this. Let me read it to you. Peter says, listen. Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. 
God isn't late with his promises. God isn't late in, in bringing Christ back as some measure lateness. God is restraining himself on account of you. He's holding back the end because he doesn't want, what's the words? Anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change, to, to repent, to change their thinking, to change the direction of the life and to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God is patiently waiting on us to invest and invite our friends and our family members to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He left us here because we have a mission to do. So let me ask you this question. It's the most important question this morning, and this is it. Who do you need to share the gospel with? Who do you need to share the gospel with? The last four weeks as we've been talking about this, you've been sitting there and I know the Holy Spirit's been speaking and you've been thinking, I need to share. I need to talk to this person, that person. Who do you need to share the gospel with? Who do you need to invest in? Who do you need to invite to faith in Jesus Christ? You know, the early church, they were so radically devoted to God and relentlessly committed to sharing the gospel. So much that in Acts chapter 4, they were being threatened. They actually got beaten. They were in prison because they were sharing the gospel. And the church got together. Kind of like this. They, they got together. And interesting, you know, they didn't cry. I mean, they were being beaten because of their faith. They didn't say, woe is me. They didn't say, life is terrible. They didn't pray the way I would pray, which would be, God, relieve this threat. You know, God, in your power, fight against this threat. You know how they prayed in Acts chapter 4, verse 29? Now, Lord, consider the threats. Give it some consideration, God. I mean, they're beating the CRAP out of us. I mean, consider their threats and enable your servants, enable us to speak your word, to speak the gospel, the evangelium, to speak the gospel with great, what's the word? Boldness. They prayed in the midst of suffering and pain and hardship. They prayed for greater boldness. God, give us greater boldness in sharing the good news in spite of their threats. God, give us the courage to stand firm. Give us the courage when they put us in prison, to keep sharing the gospel. Give us the courage when they beat us up to keep sharing the gospel. Give us the courage when they make fun of us. Give us the courage when they make human torches out of our bodies. When they feed us to the lions, give us the courage to speak your word with great boldness. And many of them lost their lives but they turned their part of the world upside down because they lived out the mission of Jesus Christ to seek and to save the lost. Will you join us? Will you join Palm Beach Community Church? Will you join Family Church Abacoa? Will you join us in living your life and living out the mission of Jesus Christ? in 2015 can we pray can you pray right now and say 
God, give me the courage to join you in what you're doing. Give me the courage. Might be a little scary. It's going to be changed. Things are going to be a little different. Always is when change comes our way. God, give me the courage. Give me the courage to speak your word. Give me the courage to share the gospel with greater boldness. And maybe right now you can think of someone in your life. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Can you say, God, right now give me the courage to share the gospel with and just tell God the name of that person. Can you say, God, I want to live on mission. I want to live on your mission of seeking and saving the lost. Can you pray and say, God, I'm in. And maybe this morning, you need to repent of your sins. Maybe this morning, you need to believe the gospel. You need to invite Jesus Christ to, to come into your life. Ask him right now. Say, God, I acknowledge that I've sinned. And I want to turn from my sins. And I believe that you love me and that you sent your son Christ. God, help me to live on your mission. Can we all pray that? God, we're so grateful that you are such a loving, inclusive, radically inclusive God, that you loved us, that you didn't give up on us, and that you sent your very son to save us, to bring the forgiveness of our sin. God, we thank you for that. And, and we just pray, God, that you will help us to be your church and that we might go out and we might share the incredible God you are to share the gospel. God, give us the courage and the boldness to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.